everyone, welcome to Wazi. This feels really weird saying it. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, if you're coming back again, welcome back. This is a. I have a guest in studio today. I was saying before, like I haven't done this in a long time. I forgot how to introduce people, but um, she's gonna introduce herself. She's a friend of mine, and she's a great creative, and she does a bunch of stuff that's pretty amazing, I think. But before we get to that, remember to subscribe. I never asked people to do this, but like subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Um, SoundCloud, Spotify, and I just got the podcast on Stitcher not so long ago because someone asked. So if there's somewhere that you listen to podcasts and we're not on there, just let me know and I'll suss it out and I'll get us on there. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this episode. So yeah, let's just get into it. Also, I spent like 30 minutes setting up the studio, so <laughs> we need to start. Cool, cool, cool. All right, introduce yourself to the peoples. Hi, my name is Sophia, um, and I'm Daisy's friend. That's all you got to say. There's oh. so much that you do that's like uh, amazing. Okay. So I'm studying film mm-hmm. and television. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do I do? That's pretty much... Okay, what... I... That's all I do. <laughs> like, I actually don't do this anything so else. Funny. I'm like... <laughs> okay, cool. So, Sophie Ann does a lot of stuff. I like how she just like said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a film student. She's not just a film student. Like, she actually makes films. Like, she's done stuff before as a student and without. And... Maybe we should talk about how we met. How did we meet? Oh, wait. So I met when I was first coming to Australia. And then... Um, oh, yeah, that's true. I, we got connected through someone, like, back home, like, back that's in Nairobi. Right. Um, and then when I came here, I met you through Leanne. Yeah. Uh, Leanne has been here before. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, go and listen to it. But that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, We kind of spoke on WhatsApp and then... Just kind of died. Just for- yeah, I just forgot about it. <laughs> because we were like... Because I, I hadn't come here yet until it was so early on. And then I was like, oh, tell me how about Australia mm. and everything. And then after that, that's when I kind of... like When I came and then I found you through Leanne. And then you told me you're doing... Actually, yeah, when you told me you're, you're studying sound design for films and just, like, sound design in general. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Please tell yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, sometimes you're friends with people and because you're so used to being around them, you actually forget, like, you have to think about how you met. I don't know, this happens to me a lot of times. Like, I look at people, I'm like, how did I actually become friends with yeah. you? Like, because I'm just so used to being around people. I even forget how, like, it was before we were like not friends I'm like how was I acting was I shy oh my god no I remember you know what I remember the first time we met met it was at that festival it was you me and Leanne and William and William and then you came this chick came (laughs) she exposed you (laughs) oh my god God. okay I just need to say it because it's really funny um so I just met, it was in summer and there was this festival happening. It was like Mumba it was festival. just kind of, yeah. yeah, Mumba Festival. <laughs> so we just went like for the rides and to see what's up in Melbourne. And then, so Sofian comes and she's holding like Coke in her hand. Like by Coke, I mean like Coca Cola, like a bottle. And I was like, oh, can I have some Coke? <laughs> it wasn't Coke, guys. It was red wine. <laughs> but it was done so, like, it was so good. It looked like Coke. And it's because um, the festival, because there was kids around there, they weren't selling alcohol. So you had to get smart with also how to. Like, oh, and I was coming from, alcohol. I was meant to be going to a party. Oh, that's and then right. that's when then I missed my train, so I was like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna meet you guys True. at the festival. Also, she was just really nice. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'd like some festival. <laughs> but you know, I'm still getting, I was still getting used to actually being in Melbourne, where I'm like, I actually have to dress to walk and stuff like that, and 
Oh, someone is just peeping through oh, the video, okay. which is really weird. <laughs> um, I have to get used to walking and wearing comfortable shoes and wearing just comfortable clothes and stuff like that and the weather. And so obviously yeah. that day I was like, I'm still new. I'm still here trying to wear flats and mm. like all the same. And it was like a big problem, but yeah. True. Um, anyway, so that's how we like met officially <laughs> and she didn't end up going anywhere else because we just, I don't know, that was a weird night. Anyway, um, I've worked with Sophia before. And we've had, like, really interesting conversations. So I thought it would be cool to just kind of talk about creative work um, and also seeing that we're both from Kenya and we moved here to study because we couldn't get opportunities to study what we wanted to study in Kenya the way, like, you know, we have had here and uh, what what that experience looks like. So as a filmmaker, like, what actually got you into filmmaking? Um, Drama. I studied drama in high school, I think, a lot of the time. And... I really wanted to be an actor. Um, really? Yeah, surprisingly, right? Now I'm like, I can <laughs> never imagine. I can never imagine my life doing that. But I did want to. So I think that was like a starting point. And then I got into filmmaking um, because I think when I was in like in year 12, I went to like, um, do you remember the House Helps of Kangwari? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The show? The one from Jugush. Yeah, that one. <laughs> so I went on like, and also there was this one, Hapakule. I've heard of Hapakule. Yeah, so what I did was I went for an internship at that place. Oh. And I wouldn't say I was the most engaged at that point, but I was like really interested with how things were running on set and stuff like that. And I knew I kind of enjoyed working with actors. Um, and so that kind of just took me in that direction because I knew I didn't want to necessarily do stage acting, but I wanted to be involved in writing and creating and telling stories. And then I was like, oh, what's going to give me that? And then it was film. Mm. And I think my passion for film has actually, I wouldn't say it was the, like I really loved the idea of it and what I was doing at the beginning when I came. But then right now is like where I'm like, I'm fucking crazy about this. Oh, wait, can I swear? I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I was like, I'm actually really crazy about this. I really love doing what I'm doing right now. It's interesting. I actually didn't know you wanted to be an actor, which is really interesting um, to know. Yeah. How did you give up on that today? Because my parents are just like, nah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. They're just like, fair nah, enough. you need to like... They weren't like... It was not like they were never supportive. They're just like, no, you're not, you're not going to sustain. And then I think, it, like, I obviously get where they're coming from. I probably don't think the same because I think actors do such a big thing. But... Um, mm. It was also good because then I realized what I think I wanted because I don't think I wanted acting. Great. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, I wanted to be a lawyer and then I wanted to be an activist. And I was like, the thing is, I'm, I'm still very much interested in that stuff. And I think I would have been great, but I don't know if I would have loved it as much as I enjoy doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So I just decided, like, I think... Also, it's not like I sat down to make these decisions. It just somehow worked out that I can still do the same things I wanted to do within both of those spaces. Because the motivation was just always to, like, fight for human rights in some sort of way. I can still do that as through my creativity. And um, when did you, like, decide you wanted to do ooh, this? Um, it was funny because when I was in high school um, in PB... We used to have, like, I was a music student. I was, I was a music student. And I actually, I, I thought I'd end up being a musician, mm -hmm. which was really interesting as well. And so did my mom. <laughs> she actually said that to me on my graduation. She's like, you know, I always thought you'd do music. And I was like, 
yeah, I'm kind of doing music. Like, audio engineer. She's like, no, I actually thought you'd be a musician. And she, like, bought me my guitar. She was ready. She she was, like, prepping me to become a musician. That's amazing. Um, and I did music for, for a long time. And I was doing, like theater and musicals I, I was singing pretty much you can sing forever. I've never legit known that <laughs> Daisy oh my god a lot of people do not know that actually because I stopped doing it so everyone I met actually after theater or who didn't know me in my first four years of high school probably doesn't know that bit of me oh. I, I did sing a little bit in BTEC actually I used to do that with performance students but yeah when I was in my first high school I just got interested in DJing actually and I used to do mixes for like dancing groups mm-hmm. uh, and the mixes were so bad like I think about it today I'm like what and I thought everyone knew like if you wanted a mix go to Daisy uh, and then I was interested in how like music becomes music and that process and I researched it and it just took me to audio engineering and I was like well I guess that's what I want to do and then I was at the time I was listening to like techno and EDM like in Afrojack. Yeah, Afrojack was a yeah. huge inspiration for me, actually. And I was like, yeah, I want to be an audio engineer, for sure. That was like Inform 2 or something like that. And then it just always stayed, and I tried to find my way around it. Like, okay, so what you need to, I need to go for? I, was, I started doing my research then, um, and it's just a matter of if I'm able to do it by the time I finish. And, yeah, I guess I am. And that's where I am now. Um, my my interest changed definitely. I was a producer at some point. I used to make like EDM stuff. Well, I still have that stuff I'd in the really archives. Love to, I'd legit um, love to listen to that. <laughs> I can't I even imagine, especially see, I, with your music I, you that I listen to you right now. I'm like, how, how, how yeah. is that Daisy? But then I got like there's that growth, that thing where like things that's change, true. interest change. Yeah. So that's how I ended up there. Mad. Uh, Honestly, I'm like, if I could sing, let me tell you, yes, I wanted to be an actor. But if I could sing, if I could have some musical talent. I would be a musician. I legitimately love the idea of music. And I don't know, to me, honestly, like that to me was like, it was my goals. Like when I was young, I used to Mm. sing to people and just like sing. I'm not good at it, but I love it. Um, First of all, anybody can see. <laughs> I think I don't. Know, I think so. Oh, I but, trained. I just mm, couldn't okay. keep going. <laughs> well, I guess you can only go too far. <laughs> Oof. But I, I'm actually looking into getting back to singing or That'd doing something awesome. like that. I used to. I've done a lot of background vocals for people, by the way. Like the songs are out there, but you know, you send NDAs. They're not NDAs. It's just like release forms and whatever. But it was fun. it's always fun like being in the studio. Also, my class is just all male students, so mm. sometimes they needed like a vocal, and they're like, "Yo, can you jump on this?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And I'll do some stuff there. I'm good with harmonies. Look at me. I'm just pitching myself. So in case you need like a <laughs> call Daisy a, a on zero <laughs> Anyway, going back to Sophie, and I just call her Sophie, but her name is Sophie Ann, guys. So please, um, what was it like? Like, I just said like twice. Thinking, thinking about being a creative in Kenya and specifically like you, you based in Nairobi and want to be a filmmaker. Who are the people you were looking at and being like, wow, 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 wow. Or was it the opposite where it was like, oh, I, I don't see people who are doing the stuff that I'm interested in. I think I wasn't looking hard enough when I was back home. I think I was like in this bubble of, wow, I'm going to go grow up and do this and I'm going to create this. And then I grew up and I'm like now doing it. And I'm like, I only want to look at other people doing it and and learn from them and be inspired by what they're doing and see how they're doing it and how they got there and and kind of figure out how to kind of follow. Because I think like art, you know, the reason like you're told like it's it's more about like 
it's like it's like you you steal art but you don't steal like it's not stealing you just learn from it and you you know you develop it and make it better and so now like people like um just even Wanuri, like just as an example of what she did like for me it's not even about necessarily the film that she made but how bold she was to have gone and created something that everyone was probably like oh no we're not for that and still gone and still followed her vision and still said i'm gonna do this and um i think to me people like that are really inspiring especially women black women um i think even people i'm surrounding myself with like even ivy Mm. like um just the fact that she's kenyan black a woman and a filmmaker and she just like you know just people like that inspire me and they're kind of the people that i'm like like even you like I was, I'm always telling Daisy like I'm always like you're just, you're just doing shit out here and I'm like that is inspiring to me that just people who I want to like go and like just do stuff and then I'm like it's really like a way to kind of see how people will kind of go out there and say I'm going to create even if mm. everything against me is saying you can't do it and I think um, somewhere like Nairobi at the moment that's what people are doing people are creating I'm like this is so cool like I'm so like I'm just I think it's so cool and it's like it's like it's not easy like the stacks are against them but they're Mm. still like you know what I have a dream I have like this passion and I have an idea and I'm gonna figure out how to do it and I think that culture is really beautiful Um, ooh interesting good segue (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, this was, but this was not planned. This is this conversation that's flowing. Um, you know, we never write shit out here. But I was having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday about culture for another project that I'm actually working on. And it's just interesting how, again, had a conversation with, with two other people that, you know, I'm not even going to name them here. <laughs> but one person said to me, like, uh, I can't remember what exactly where this conversation started, but it was about language, and he was saying, "Yeah, but isn't it interesting that now we are moving towards like a universal language, and if we like let go of some of these cultural things like practices and you know language, like we can all as a as a world speak the same thing." And I was like, "That is really interesting. There's truth to that, but it's like, what is that one language that we're all speaking? It's English." But who's that language for? You know, it's just like, mm. so it, it was an interesting perception where it's like, oh, so we should all, you know, like, oh, universal language, like, let's all speak this one thing, but let's let go of what we got. And I had a, an issue with that. And I remember saying, mm. but essentially what you're doing is you're saying yours is not good enough or you've got is not good enough because English is better because it brings a lot of people together. But that's just you deciding to get rid of something that's important to mask it with something that has been fed to you as better because that's pretty much everything else that's when true. it comes to like western world versus culture and that's how we ended up where, where we are at now it's like yeah, yeah. as much as colonization is not happening the way it used to like here's a gun i'm gonna shoot you like listen to me it's not violent it's like okay we're gonna let you know that who you are as a person as a black person you know living in australia like you're you suck you're in a gang you know all these stereotypes and projections on you until you hate yourself that you're like okay what do you want me to look like you want me to act this way i'll just do that because it's easier or because it's seemingly better and it's you know i can live life without worrying what's going to happen to me but that's what we've been put i also feel like i get where you're talking because i had the same conversation with someone um but i think i was talking about um how like for me personally i want especially 
especially I think pushing me like and this has to do like even like learning about the art that I'm creating and a lot mm-hmm. of the art that I'm watching um I think I want to go back and learn more about my language more about my culture it's actually like I got here and then I was like actually I'm going back anyway yeah. and I think it took <laughs> me having to to really take myself out of that and stop looking outward and and start being like no mm-hmm. what I have is really good and I think it I think it works in a balance in the fact that um we are all like I think a lot of the people I surround myself with so even like you and just my friends like a lot of mm. us when we like I think where our parents were like we need to make sure our kids know English and speak English yeah. and to them that was beneficial because they were like you know that's gonna make their lives easier and it was true like it did mm. um, but I think it was also like okay yeah our lives are easier but we also now are losing so much of what we wish we could hold on to because when I'm writing when I'm sitting down to write a story I know only about my little bubble and I'm like I want to know more. There's so much more about like the world and yeah. um and and language and the importance of language and and sometimes when you know you sit down with your parents and they're speaking like for me, like for me kikuyu and the way their jokes are just sounding funny and they just sound like they're having fun or I even like <laughs> music in Swahili like how good does it sound? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like those are things that I'm missing out on because I didn't get I didn't like no one like it's no one's fault but it's mm-hmm. also like now I get the chance to correct that and I should do something about that and I think there are lots of people pushing for that there are lots of people who are saying let's do that let's learn our language and um, but then there's also the conversation I was having with my friend where they're like we shouldn't then try to erase everything that the western world has provided us with because whether it was it came with a lot of bad it also came with a lot of good Mm. like you know like even just the fact that we get to be here is a is a beneficial thing you know that's true Um, I think there's just like it's just kind of trying to find a balance and I'm not sure if there's a balance because like mm. it's like can you really have both you yeah. know have your cake and eat it but I'm like um I think for people who are like have been privileged like us to have seen both sides it's like kind of really trying to find that place where it's like it's a good balance in appreciating mm. both yeah um, I totally see what you're saying and I, I I'm in argument with everything you said um I think also the advantage that I had was I went to my grandparents' place a lot, mm-hmm. but specifically on my mom's side more, just honestly, just because it was closer to the city <laughs> and we could go and come back home because yeah. uh, it's two hours. Like, my dad's place is far. So we didn't spend that much time there. But also I was telling someone that the advantage I had in learning, like, my mom's tongue was my grandma wasn't... Like, she could speak Swahili, but not too well. So it forced me to learn how to communicate with her. Mm. She could understand when I spoke in Swahili, but she'll reply in Kikuyu. Mm. Sometimes she'll speak in, in Kiswahili, but she didn't like it. Um, and the same for me. Like, I'll speak back to her in Kikuyu, but it was like, hey, one sentence takes me so long <laughs> to, like, formulate. Am I you mix? And the other thing, because my parents are from two different um, tribes, sometimes I'd speak, like, I'd mix Kikuyu and Meru, and so I'm just looking at the person and they're looking at me like, what the hell did you just say? And I'm just like, oh, crap. I don't, I don't know how to get out of this place. But anyway, I learned how to speak a little bit better. And I can I can get by Yeni today. Yeah. But with my dad's side, both my grandparents were teachers. They could speak English and Kiswahili. So even the urge to learn the language was not as much because it's like, mm. okay, they understand me when I speak, mm. so it's cool. And when I got older, I was like, I see my younger cousins now. They speak like Medru. It's like they were born there. <laughs> and it's really amazing because it gives me hope that it's not going to die without yeah. grandparents or our parents. It's like that. Uh, that's an element of culture. And quite honestly, I think my uncles have done a pretty great job because I see how they... Mm. 
they're, they're a bit younger. They're like 13 and younger. Mm. But I see how they've they've understood the significance of culture. And all, all they do is like school holiday, you spend a week there or two weeks or a couple of days and you come back every time. Yeah. And they actually want to go and yeah. learn. And I think that's the next step for us in terms of, like you said, we don't need to get rid of or overlook all the good that came with Western civilization or like English as a language. It's just that we can't lose what we had before. Exactly. And I think it's really cool because I'm like, first of all, like for me, like you're saying, my brother is like his kids like go to like tuition to learn Kikuyu. And like they're probably their Kikuyu is much better than his. Like wow. they, Yes. Yes. And I'm like, that is cool. Like that is cool because he's like, nah. I don't want this for my kids. They're going to, like, have this and they're going to learn it. And they are speaking... They will obviously speak better than I do. And I'm like, yeah. that is very amazing. You know, what's interesting is even here in Melbourne, like, people who... All all migra- migrants here, there's, like, a Persian school, wow. Greek school, like, all these different schools for people who moved here to learn their language. And, ev- like, every person that I know whose parents migrated here, they went to their, like, ethnic school on this on Saturday that was a thing like oh yeah I was in I was in Persian school on every Saturday and so but also maybe it was a necessity thing because most of these people could not speak English so it was easier for them to talk but I found that really beautiful that that it doesn't stop it keeps continuing but bringing back to like that whole cultural conversation and within the creative world when but when I was leaving Nairobi, which was like three years ago, oh my god, um, that was so long ago. I honestly don't know how you've not. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> nah, I'm ca- I'm coming back soon. Don't worry. <laughs> but when I left, there was always this need for like we were always reaching a lot of us rather were reaching for the Western world, right? And then you come here and you're like. Mm, it's not even as <laughs> like it's <laughs> nice. Like you're not saying it's not nice, but you're also like. I'm actually like I had a good life. I had a really yeah, good life. That's I think that's what happens. I think I'm like I was on some an ungrateful shit because I was like I had so many good things. Yeah. And I love the fact that I'm here because I'm like so many good things as well, but I'm like I wish I spent enough time like just you know that you're told I wish you spent like not looking like to the future and just kind of being present in everything that yes. was going on. Oh, we had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. Like, even now, I'm always like, hmm, what's my future? I'm like, yo, you're here now. Look now. Just now. Yeah. And I think that was also the problem because I was like, why didn't I just enjoy... What we had. Yeah. But maybe we just needed to get out and realize that. But even in terms of, like, reaching within the creative world, like, I used to, like our music videos, like, a lot of the people would try and emulate like mm. what pop culture in America looks like and we all know like America is kind of like a benchmark for not just us but pretty much the entire world mm. like you know black culture there is like what is selling everywhere and everybody wants yeah. to be like you know whoever yeah. and whoever uh, but I've seen like things have changed now in a Again, I haven't been back in a while, but I can see that shift. But what was that like for you in terms of like writing and creating um, your own your own work when you're here and when you're in Kenya what that difference look like I think that's really hard because sometimes I find myself when I'm writing I'm writing from what I've consumed and mm. it's like how honest Ooh, interesting how honest am I being um, and that's when I'll give my work to a lot of people who I think um, can tell me straight <laughs> mm. like this is not actually and I'm like yeah you're right this is not actually true um because sometimes I think I've consumed a lot that I think I'm struggling between my reality and my like the world and the place that I'm trying to tell and mm. what is actually there. So like if you're telling me to write an authentic Kenyan story, how authentic can I really be? Because 
um, there's only so much I know. Do you get what I mean? Like, I don't think I've experienced. But then that also doesn't reduce the authenticity of my story. But it yeah. can't say it's a whole wild Kenyan story. But it's it's my story. And because I am Kenyan, that is that is enough. It's just, that's your lens. Too. Yeah, that's my lens. But there's also more. Um, it means my story is one and it can be appreciated, but it's not telling everywhere and also when I come here and I'm telling stories about here I think that's also really difficult because I'm Mm. like there's a lot of education that takes when you're writing like you can't just sit down and decide I'm gonna write this because I think it's a cool idea I think there's a lot of and I do that sometimes but I'm like it's always like a first draft when I do that and then I'm like hmm let me figure out more and learn more and I think that's what I enjoy about filmmaking like the amount of things you have to learn by the time you've sat down with something you're like well really had to think because you know you're developing characters you're developing worlds you're like thinking how does this and this make sense and you know um so there's a lot of questioning of reality and what i would want to see i guess okay does that answer your question yeah question. um (laughs) there's this i'm gonna go back to that question actually um in terms of i remember there's a time you wrote a script um but you didn't feel like people in your class got it right I should point out that you're the only black person in your class as well. <laughs> so yeah. that, that that gives people an idea of it. But do you think when you're writing like stories about yourself or inspired inspired like by blackness or Africanness within this environment that it's just how is that experience? Like of you wanting to tell certain stories but also you're aware of the environment that you're living in and what that means in that environment? Um, I think it's scary because sometimes I'm like the people who majority will consume my work are not mm-hmm. black. And hey, I'm like, that is it. Yeah. It's just like because I'm like sometimes when I sit down to watch a black film, like we all because we're black, we're all showing up and we're really getting it and we're yeah. really and it doesn't mean because like but race does race and culture I think does play a role no matter how much you want to be like it doesn't yeah because there's something when we like you know as black people when we when we sat down to watch when they see us. Even if we're not in America, mm. it was still like, whoa, when in, when it was um, a person of, like, uh, not black, um, when they sat down to watch that, it was different. It's not that they didn't feel the pain or the experience, but it was it was a different kind of thing, right? Yeah. And I think that's how I kind of feel when I'm writing my stories is that I'm really trying to focus and telling, like, at this moment in my life, I think I'm really, because I've just been, like, I think I'm really, like, surprised and culture-shocked and all about being black I'm like oh my god my story is about being black and blackness and black and that's yeah. that's what I'm currently in. that doesn't mean where I'll be in like another three years but at the moment that's where I am and I think um, with that is that sometimes it's like if I give this person my script to read how much will they get it or how much will they be able to understand why I'm doing something mm. um, I think I experienced the same thing when I was doing casting for my last film and we talked about it oh yeah <laughs> um, and it was like uh, it was like I really wanted to, you know because I for me it's something that I think bugs me when I watch TVs like um, when you cast a black family but they're not they're not the most realistic black family you're going to see an example of that is blackish right and it's like mm. you, oh wow yeah <laughs> And it's not they've done it. Like, I love that show so much. And I love and I kind of I kind of rope my head. I'm like more sympathetic of how hard it is to cast people who all look the same. Like, it's really, really, truly hard. Um, But I think sometimes it's more important to just keep trying to do it because like I had like um, black people and because like, you know, 
uh, we'll have like from different places and stuff like that. We all look different. Like mm. we're, we don't look the same. Um, and I think trying to cast a family that did look the same, it honestly ended up, I honestly did end up doing it. But I I think there was a really, for me it was really, really important. And I think when I was talking to my classmates about this, they first, I think, um, not everyone, but like certain people were just not getting why. Mm. Oh, they couldn't see it. That's even, I think, maybe a thing. They could not see it. Like, they couldn't see the the difference. So it's just like... Oh, you're all black. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, I, and I was really surprised by that. I was really surprised that. I guess, um, and I guess uh, for me it was like, immediately... So so you see, like, whereas in when I showed you the people I was casting, oh, you were like, oh, they all look different. Like, yeah. you, you're like, in your head, it already went off. Like, you could no tell. No one family. Yeah, like. <laughs> Maybe you, cousins. <laughs> and I was Not like. siblings. And I was like, Daisy, do you think I can cast this person? And you're like, nah, they don't look at all like alike. Mm. But I, you know, but, and I think that was also a surprising thing. So it was in that way, whereas in, that was a problem. I was also like, I feel the same way in my stories. But I think there's also a middle ground where we meet is in the fact that we all have such different stories. So there's a lot of things they create and a lot of stories they do that I don't understand. Mm. And I think that makes me more forgiving and more also aware of my own flaw. Is it flaws the word that I'd use? Or my own shortcomings? I don't know. But like the idea that they will never fully understand me and that's good and I will never fully understand everything about them. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's I think that's the experience of art is that we learn. So like they'll create something. I won't understand it. I'll ask questions. I'll become more educated than I was yesterday. Yeah. And um, that's I think a part of like being in such a culturally... What was it? What's it well, it is culturally diverse. Yeah. But... Um, that is a very, uh, it's a topic for another day <laughs> and very sensitive one in, in when you're speaking in a Melbourne context. Yeah. But I like what you said when, you, like, you know, you're creating work, but the majority of the eyes watching this work is white. Because that's the same, I've, that's the same thing I think about. I remember I was I was creating work for a festival. They asked me to, um, to create something for them. Uh, they commissioned me rather to be part of a of a lineup, and I had this idea I was gonna explore, like you know, black masculinity. And I spoke to a couple of my friends about it, and like, what do you think of this idea? Blah blah blah. But the one thing that always kept ringing in my mind is like, I have, I'm because I'm working for them. I have no control of the audience that's coming in to watch it, and it's gonna be a hundred percent more white people. Not hundred percent. What what I mean is like, it's gonna be more white folks than black people watching it, and. I don't want to create work where I'm like, cool, I'm going to censor some stuff so that they're able to consume it. But at the same time, I don't want to create a platform where I'm making, I'm creating a, I'm creating room for people to overlook some things or interpret things wrong. I don't know if that made sense. Because mm-hmm. there's a vulnerability that comes with also sharing stories um, that are very personal and that are that that lets you into certain people and like you said all black folk are different you know and of course on to white eyes we look similar and it would be the same for us when sometimes we look at asians you know we just all think they all look the same i don't know some people can't tell the difference of japanese people chinese koreans but they i'm pretty sure they get upset with that as well um and it's just a it's it's a very ignorant thing but it that that when when you think of 
people, the audience and people consuming your work, it's it's really interesting. And I watched Ava DuVernay have a conversation um, after when they see us came out and she really didn't think the whole world was going to watch it the way they did because a lot of, I, I can't remember the number, but there's a couple of countries that watched when they see us. Mm. And what I was wondering is, you know, as black people living on the continent, your experience with race is so different from when you leave and also depending on what part of the world you've left to. Your experience in, you know, Middle East is not the same as in Europe, it's not the same as in Australia. And also blackness means very different things in all these places. We know blackness in Australia is very different and people don't necessarily know about it and probably should, you know, learn more about it. But what it looks like here when we watch when they see us and we're seeing like things that are very similar in the sense that yeah, I saw someone get arrested. It was so interesting because I was with Ivy living this show that I'm I'm just talking about. And we saw this black kid being arrested. He was 13. And I actually knew the kid because uh, when I was doing youth work, he used to live in the same neighborhood. But I just forgot his name. Like, it just, in that moment, I forgot his name. Oh, were you watching him being um, arrested? Yeah, we were just walking down, like, from, from like, up Swanson towards Elizabeth Street. We were going home. It was 11 p.m. too. And Ivy was like, yo, what's happening over there? And I was like, yeah, what's happening over there? And so as we were walking closer, um, I recognized a kid. Again, forgot his name. Um, I could only remember his brother's name. So I said, I'll call him by his, his brother's name, and then he'll, he'll probably connect or whatever. But there were six cops. This kid is 13. He's being arrested. Six cops. Mm-hmm. Two females, one male, two of them were next to the car, but they were outside. And we just came in when he was actually being arrested. So I don't know what the confrontation was like before. But what was interesting for me is, like, everyone around there didn't see any problem with this. Like, people were just going about their lives. In fact, there was an inconvenience because they were in the way of the path. So I went closer to him, and I was like, hey, bro, are you right? And he was so scared. His face was on the wall. Um, he didn't know whether he, he could talk about, you know, like, they, I could tell he was thinking about, like, do I, can I speak? And he just nodded he, to say he was fine. But, he, of course, he wasn't. Um, and the cop was like, the cop next to me said something like, there's nothing to see how you can go. It was something stupid. I can't remember. And I said, I know his parents. So what did he do? Or where are you taking him? And they couldn't tell me what was going on. But what's going through my head is, like, what I saw in When They See Us is... A lot of a lot of us don't know our rights. Um, you're a kid, you're 13, you're being told, just do this, you're going to go home. If this would happen, I don't know what happened eventually, but I tried to call people. I think someone got to know what was happening and maybe they found him. I don't know. I didn't get to hear what happened afterwards. But that same situation actually happens. And I was speaking to my friends yesterday who grew up here and they were telling me, oh, we know people like who are in jail, they didn't do anything, or mm. we've been we've been arrested for being attacked, but because we we were the black people there, they didn't see all the white people who started this. So we, we got arrested. And yeah. it's like, we had to go tell them, hey, maybe watch the, the cameras, and you will see that we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And he was saying, even after that situation where they realize you're on the right, it's not, they're not like, okay, maybe we should give you medical attention because, you know, we hurt you. It's more like, okay, cool, you're not in the wrong, you can go your way. It just... You know, you're kind of disposable and it's like, whatever. Like, okay, cool. You're wasting our time. We need to now get the people who actually did this. And it's an interesting dynamic. Um, When you're trying to tell stories that a majority of your audience is not necessarily connected to, or for them, it's just a film. You know, I saw this meme, or not meme, this photo that said something like, black folk watching 
I'm sorry, we're using when they see us as a reference just because it's pretty recent. But also, it was really powerful. When they watch that, it's more like a, a horror or traumatic thing because it, it, it connects really easily because it's a lived experience for us. But for other people, as much as they know it's a real story, it's still a narration of a story. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is really like, interesting. Because I think anywhere you go, you like you know you can never stop. Like it's not like you cannot be black. So it's like <laughs> I go and I'm like I get afraid. Even if you're like oh I'm probably overreacting, you're like yeah, but my my I, this all comes from a reason of why I'm feeling like this. Like things yeah. have happened, to make or feel like to make that. me feel like I have to feel this way. Mm-hmm. But um, a good example of what you're saying is like I think with the film we just finished together. Mm. Um, yeah. I've shown it to like so it was specifically for black women and yeah black men have watched it they're like oh it's great um, people of, of of other races have watched it and they're like yeah it's good but when I've shown it to black women they're just like oh my god I'm crying <laughs> I'm sad I love it yeah um, and I think that's great because I'm like you're the people I made it for mm-hmm. and I think um, that's I think where but I think so so it's like the audience you make things for is really really important because like when I made that it was it was just honestly because I was like, you know what, black women, you're the shit. You guys are really, really amazing. Um, and like, even just kind of like thinking about all the women I'm surrounded in my life and all the women that kind of build me and make me like that. And I'm like, I want to make something to give back to you. Mm. And I think that's what we're talking about when you say I create art for certain audiences and it's like as long as my audience have gotten it and they have loved it and it has done something for them then mm. I think that's something like your your work has done has accomplished something really big right um and also like and I also think something that you when you're talking I was thinking about in Kenya how even being black in Kenya you're not you're not actually safe because like we're all out here and everyone's black I'm yeah. like no Kenya has its own racial issues that I think are really really big undealt with because we have Definitely. so many other things to yeah. deal with like I'm like I'm not mad about it but I'm like what about the other did you see the thing where Jay's Kitchen had that post that statement where they were talking about how um, so someone was complaining like someone complained how they're getting tipped like how, how no how the the uh, the restaurant allows more white people in mm-hmm. um than black people or has like treats white people better or something like that and yeah. then jay's posted on like their facebook account or something that it's because white people tip better or something like that and that's why it's more of it's an it's an it's more of an economic something like they said something like that. I can't remember the post like word for word, but like the whole point is that they justified why they were doing what they were doing, and they said By it's. Saying, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, "You are a whole institution, and no one will shut you down on Thursdays. Everyone will still be a Jays. Everyone's mm-hmm. still gonna show up. Like that wasn't said, but you see, that's an issue because there's an obvious race idea around that. Yeah, stereotypical one, especially. Yeah, and I think. Unlike when I think I'm in Melbourne, I think black people here are very, very proud and very like, um, like it's really inspiring to see how like they come together and like you know, yeah, support each other and work together. And I think that's a really good thing. And I think in Kenya we like to support black people around the world doing like coming together and uni uh, like being uni like what's the word I'm looking for? Un unified. 
Yeah, no. United? Yes, I think it's like, yeah, United. I don't know why. I'm not sure. I feel like it sounds <laughs> weird now that I can't remember my whole sentence. But like we like to cheer on when it's like the rest of the world doing that, like coming, like, like, when it's like in America or in Australia, or like we're like, oh yeah, black people, black power, they're coming together, oh, they're doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, at home, are we, are we, are we doing, doing the that? same? And mm. I, I know we're all black. I know like not all black, but I think majority, majority of us are black. Yeah. But are we celebrating our blackness the same way? Yeah. You know, because we are still under systems where it's like, you know, both of us having been to um, British system schools and mm. seeing the way those things are run and seeing the way this, I'm just like, there's a lot of introspective introspective yeah you're right I'm right right yeah, yeah there's Definitely. a lot of introspection <laughs> that we need to do yeah um, lo- oh god a lot of it yes 100% agree <laughs> cause I'm like if a business can do that and there's not enough backlash mm. to like close it down for I don't know how long then it means that there's something we're okay with and I don't think that's fine yeah I agree there's a lot of complacency and what I find really great that's happening now is I remember when I was growing up like Kenyan music and Kenyan mm. films like I, I used to watch like Kenyan films a lot and then for both of those industries there was a cafes where there was, everything just disappeared I don't know what happened and then now we're picking up again and like I just saw Mugambi Diga like he did a I really want to watch that Lusala, and then we had like Supermodo and Rafiki yeah. and a lot of and now we even have film festivals mm. which means like a lot of people especially with indie films can even put out their stuff like for more people to watch mm. and that's like a huge step forward um, and there's also an awareness of hey this is actually a legitimate industry yeah. and i saw i can't remember where i saw this but there's there's a streaming service that's um i forgot what it's called <laughs> me too and then when you need stuff is like when it disappears but it, it streams like african content and so a lot of the kenyan stuff is there and i think it was like a, a thread or i someone shared it somewhere and i saw it but it was like someone was arguing that they they don't want to spend money on that streaming site, but they'd rather spend it on something. I can't remember like Netflix. what they Netflix or something like yeah. that. And it's like, I get it. But this streaming service has done a pretty good job of balancing like African content, specifically Kenyan stuff, and also like worldly other things. And the thing is, you want to support your own when they're winning and they're, you know, they've reached a certain stage. And when we Lupita saw that very Oscar. clearly with, with Lupita. This, and then now with Wanoi even. It's like, yeah. oh my God, everybody yeah. loves her. And it's yeah. like, okay, maybe we can watch Rafiki. Just maybe. Or also, maybe we can just support her in what she's doing. Yeah. Even people like Mudoni, the drama queen. Mlingo just G, Akina Blinky Bill, you know. Yeah. And I don't know what that mentality is, but I think where we're at now, even as creatives, is we've had amazing people clear the way and allow mm. us to have conversations and create work that is not censored. Because the problem is also some of the... Th- with creativity, sometimes there is choices, but also the purpose of telling some stories or, you know, creating work that... A lot of work st- stems from storytelling and then the way you choose to tell that story might be through different avenues. And censorship really deters creativity because then now you have this amazing thing and then after you've created it, you have to start thinking of how to make it like something else that you didn't intend for it to be just so people can consume it. And that sucks. That really, really sucks. But I'm great like we're moving forward um, as an industry as well 
and we're accommodating like people and what they what they need to say. Actually, it's a really interesting documentary on Netflix. It's probably been there for a long time about hip hop, um, and they just take you through the journey of like where it started and where it's at today. And it was interesting to see that there was a time there was a lawsuit to ban hip hop because for of real? censorship. Yeah, because one person was very. Again, names disappeared. But there was, a, there was a case in court that went because this guy was very explicit. But he was saying things that people, like, it was, he uh, his lyrics are very sexual. Um, but he was just talking about how young boys, like, go about and they want to have sex with a woman and what that conversation would be like. But he just used the words that people would use normally on, um, on lyrics. And everybody loved his music. Mm. And the problem was, as it always is, our children. I don't know why we use children as scapegoats. Our children, our society, and all these moral compasses that we create. But he's like, so just because it's in a song doesn't mean people don't talk this way outside of music, you know. Mm-hmm. But they banned it. But be, um, the people were saying, if that if that didn't happen, if they didn't win the case, we would not be hearing music the way we're hearing music today. Mm. It'd be very censored and very fake, of course, because that's what censorship is. Yeah, that's what censorship is. Um, anyway, going back to filmmaking and creativity and stuff, um, how do you think your environment influences the stories or how you go about things? So there's something you said just earlier, like about censorship and just being like, so something I really liked about coming here was with my classmates. I think they really pushed me to, not necessarily that like they did it to me, but like watching what they created. I just was mm-hmm. like, whoa, I can do any of this. Like I like. Um, let's compare it to the first film you helped me do sound for and the films I'm making now. They are not yeah. the same. True. And it's because I think my environment has allowed me not to be like, you have to be conservative and you have to think like this and mm. these are the things and the stories you have to tell. Um, and I think that was coming and seeing what other people are doing and just being like, whoa, <laughs> I can do this. You know, yeah. like I, I can tell any kind of story I want to tell. And it's fine like people will take it the way they want to take it and um, I really am thankful that I've gotten to see that um, I've got your question damn it how your environment affects the stories that you, uh, you're telling uh, also oh also the stories that I'm telling is also learning to be respectful I think as well mm. because I think especially for the script that I'm writing at the moment I'm really like trying to be as respectful of the people that I'm telling it about um it's actually just what we were talking about earlier, like about, you know, police violence or just even like not necessarily even police violence, but like what does it mean for someone who has grown up in Australia, lived here your whole life, mm. you're black and all the other problems you face being a black person in Australia. You know what I mean? Like um, especially as a mom and her kid and you have a son and, you know, what does that mean for you? Like that's a stressful situation because you hear how... Um, um, black people, African people are painted in the news, in the media in Australia. And you're like, that's not true. That is so far from the truth. Mm. And yet, you're such, there's only like such a small group of people shouting and saying, no, that's not true. And yet, these people, you know, like it's just, it's so, I think, even when I try to tell that story, I can't tell it from, because I get to go home. I get to go back to Kenya. Australia is like, yeah. I'm here right now, but my home is in Kenya. And so, even trying to write this story and think about what I'm saying, I have to be really respectful of the fact that it is not 100% my story. Yeah. Um, and just also trying to be as honest about that as I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Interesting. Um, I actually wanted to ask you in terms of this is a question that <laughs> I feel like I have this conversation with myself so many times and with other people because within creative work, um, we are freelancing at the moment, mm. and I I tell people freelancing is expensive. Um, <laughs> it's so expensive. It, it's not so expensive, but it's quite expensive. And it's really it's it's a really sticky situation because you want to do stuff. Um, it costs money. <laughs> you don't have money. You don't have money. Or you're like, not making even money from what you're making. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. how am I gonna do this? How the hell? Oh. <laughs> and it's like I really I still want to do stuff. And also the only way to access money is to have, for example, a portfolio or you know to have something yeah. to be like even to approach someone and be like, hey, put your money in this or stuff like that. It's a really sticky situation. So it involves a lot of spending without return for a while. And yeah. we are happy with that because. And there's a satisfaction that comes with that as a creative, or um, I say creative because there's different avenues of creativity. Um, it's it's kind of satisfying just to create work, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then from the outside, it just looks like you're content with that. I don't know. I've gotten that feeling for, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, my God, if you know the mental strain that it has taken to create this thing of two minutes. Yeah. But... Let's talk about that. Like, what has freelancing looked like for you? Um, and what can you share from your experience of doing that? Oh, wow. Okay. That's a really hard question, <laughs> I think. Because I'm like, I'm still like... So one of the things I think I've really appreciated is that I'm still in school. Like, mm. if there's something my teachers keep telling me that you can use the equipment right now That's and right. you better enjoy it because I've tried to make things out of school. I am trying at the moment to make things out of school. And it's like whoa, I have no idea how to do that because mm. it's like, I need equipment, I need... You need to cater for people. You need to feed them. Feeding your crew Catering. and the people you're working with is one of the most expensive things. That's true. And people, people assume it's not a thing. It is a thing. Oh, my God. It's I thing. wish I knew. I didn't know. So, like, doing that is one of the shocking things because I think if you're going to ask people to shop and work for you for free, mm. they're going to have to leave fed and happy. And That's that it. is important. <laughs> and... I think so and I also think trying to find spaces to create I think for me in Australia has been really hard because just navigating where I am in Melbourne navigating who can help me who can help me do this um, I think it's a lot of I think it's a damn lot of favors that you're asking of yeah. people and I think that's really really hard because you're like I need you to believe in me because I think when people believe in, and I think that's the great thing about having friends, because they're like, oh, even if your work's trash, I'm gonna still We're love you. I'm gonna still love you, and <laughs> I'm still right, trying to help you. Help you. Yeah, because Daisy's been helping me, even <laughs> if I do something bad. She's like, you know, it's okay. I got you, girl. Um, so I think for me, like, uh, what would I say? I think the people you work with are mm. your first important thing, even when it comes to freelancing, because they're the people who'll be like, I can help you do this, and I can help you do this, and I can show you how to like get here and do that because I think if you sit down and you try to figure out how to make a whole film by yourself it's really really hard yeah um but like if you just call on the people so I think it's about creating relationships honestly relationships, and I think relationships yeah yes. and I think it's really hard but I think that's how you to navigate that. yeah I think that's how you start um I think for me also a big thing is that I'm so thankful to my parents because they're really supporting me and they help me mm -hmm. where they can yeah um and I don't think I would even have like done anything out of school if it wasn't for them being like, okay, we can help you. 
this amount and yeah. you have to figure out the rest. And I'm like, but that that little thing that anyone else can provide. Also, shout out to like my sister who's always cooking for my films. Shout out to Dana, man. She's always she's actually always <laughs> cooking for my films. She's a legend <laughs> chef, by the way. If yeah, chef, I got you. But like, it takes her hours to do that. Like, yeah. I'm like, it takes her hours to like cook and like do all the stuff. And I'm like, that's not easy. That's she's not getting paid to do this, but like. Um, I think those little connections and the people that are there are really the things that are kind of helping me, like, learn how to just create art. And hopefully one day I will make more, uh, like, money mm-hmm. from, like, my art and then it'll I can pay people. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's why we end up doing a lot of, like, campaigns online and, you know, raising money. But we, I think in my experience of freelancing, just because there's a lot of overlaps with audio you end mm-hmm. up working in a lot of different fields and for me I pretty much do everything like I'm doing films I'm doing live sound I'm doing studio stuff you but, do a lot of stuff um, <laughs> working with other creatives like even me knowing that these people probably don't have a budget and also knowing when to say no and being like nah you're gonna have to pay you know mm. it's like okay cool 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 I can only do this for free for only a long time or it's also what I've, what I've started doing and I did this pretty recently was Someone asked me to do um, a project for them, and it was a music project to do something for them specifically. I feel like if I say the specific thing, everybody will, <laughs> will know who it is. But um, yeah, and then, and I asked like, what what is, what's your budget? And I've known this person for a very long time, and I had a feeling that there was no particular budget, and also maybe because I know the backstory and you know how we eventually got there. And I said to him, listen, what this is gonna cost me is paying for studio sessions, so I'm gonna invoice you for the money I'm spending in studio and we'll figure out a payment plan on even that return. But I'm happy to do this because I understand the value of this. Also, here's the thing, the project was really good. That's the other thing. I'm not going to do things, even if you're paying, if the project doesn't reflect on... Your work, like your my vision? Work. Yeah, like if I don't want to put my name on it, I'm even if you're paying me, it's like, ah, uh, no. Wow. And also it goes further to things like, actually spoke with Ivy about this like even your style she's a filmmaker she takes photos as well but she doesn't take her her photos tell stories Mm. and we were having this conversation of when to say no and sometimes some things are just outside of your realm not because they're not good but it's just not you and it's like hey I actually can't do this but maybe try and hit up so and so Mm. I can recommend someone who's great at it and knowing and also people accepting that no and not taking it personally because it's not always personal in fact most of the times it's not personal it's more like yeah nah this is not doesn't reflect about me but anyway going back to freelancing pay your people also you know or find a way of a return and payment is not always money it's like here's the long term goal do you think you fit into this long term goal in some sort of way like hey, maybe I can't pay you right now with money, but listen, here's a book. I've done that before. Someone helped me. Actually, my friend who did my illustration for this podcast, um, I, I bought him a book that he, he had really wanted for a long time because I've heard, I'd heard him talk about it. And he was just really, there was a like gratefulness that came with it. And I was like, okay, good. We did something great here. Yeah. But it just it's just small things that may not be money. Because again, <laughs> the thing with your network is a lot of you are also starting out. So it's like you're within a group that's starting, so all of you just don't have money. Yeah. And all of you are trying to make work, but all of you are trying to grow together as well. So, and that's this way it happens. Like, this is something I've started doing is if I'm in a situation where I can put, and I learned this from Jesus and Jalot, from Lavi and 
what's her name? Yvonne. Yvonne. And they were talking about other people. It's like, always say your friend's name in rooms. Even if that room has absolutely nothing to do with what your friends do. And it's something I started doing. And somebody actually got an opportunity through that because I just threw in a name. I got opportunities like, oh, through that. Daisy forever Nanny. saying my name. Like, yeah, true. <laughs> Daisy's forever saying my name. I'm like, I love you. And it's, it's just great because you, you can't, you just don't, you know, it's just... It's not great until you're winning with your people. Yeah. And it's small things like, oh, I just want to do this video. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, my friend is like a filmmaker. You know, <laughs> she she does this thing. It's really amazing, too. But it, it costs you absolutely nothing. And that also kind of... For me, it's never like a comeback. Like, you know, once she makes it, it's dream. It's, it's just always like, Ooh. I actually can't do this. But I know someone who can. It's more like... This is an opportunity for someone else, not because I'm getting anything out of it, but because it really is an opportunity for yeah. somebody else, you know? That was, that's just, that's just oh, wow, it's like my mouth's dry. Like, the words <laughs> are struggling to come out. Let me just have some water. Um, you that water. is making me think, like, about what you're saying about competition. Like, you think about, you think, like, when you come here, it's like, I need to be better than this person. You do not need to be better than anyone. You just need to be, like your best and like Mm -hmm. the people you serve like the people you work with and your friends are not people you're trying to be better with you're trying to actually like grow together and don't look at them as like as a competition look at them as like people to inspire you like if you see your friend really doing a great job don't be like oh like obviously sometimes I think you feel it like a bit but you're like don't let like that feeling be like you're you know again back to you like your reality be like nah that is an example of where I'm trying to go in. Right. and the fact that they're doing that is like I'm gonna learn I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask questions I'm gonna figure out how to get there yeah. even like with your freelancing like if I see someone who knows how to do it really well I'll be like I have no idea what I'm doing please I don't mind like I don't mind making mistakes I just I'd like to know how to do this and I think that's something I'm learning especially this year that mm-hmm. my art is like it's where it is now and it's like it's like I shouldn't compare it with anyone else I should be learning from hey, everyone else that's major key man and I think it's hard though I think it's really hard because it's it like is. we've been taught like if someone else is good you can't be good too and I'm like that's a lie we both can you can just be good in your own damn way yeah um, I totally agree and I think yeah that's another thing because I think if you continue you're feeling insecure and like and that's something like I think you struggle with like generally like I'm always talking to Daisy I'm like Daisy help me and she's like no you can do this and, and it's, yeah, yeah it's really weird even having those conversations like here's the thing that I really love about my friends who I've and especially friends that I made here because when I moved to Australia I didn't have any friends so I have built a community here um, and I remember like I did a game night for my birthday and there's like a lot of you know you invite people and everybody shows up <laughs> uh, and I remember looking around and I was like oh my god I actually know all these people because I was like oh maybe there's you yeah, know two so plus I was like Daisy how do you know all these what? people <laughs> but everybody in that room had something creative that they do like even if it's a hobby and whatever and some of those people in that space met at a different gathering. I I know people who met Akaya, like they showed up for my show, but within that space they made connections and they created something together. And that is like I usually feel so good when that happens. I'm like, oh my God. I had absolutely nothing to do with this. All I did is like the one thing you had in common you came to see something I made and then you formed connections within that space. And I think I just wanted to say with my friends specifically is 
the friend group that both of us share, not every, we're probably the only two people within Creative Works, and maybe Ruby because she does a bit of design. But also, like, but everybody yeah. else does something, does completely different things. But the support that is in that group is ridiculous. Yeah. Things like, even for your film, you needed like a lot of um, African clothing. Or it was yeah, like and that. everyone's like, yeah, I'll give you my clothes. She just ask, hey guys, who has G the list? And someone's like, I'll give you G2 data. Yeah. I'll give you this. And it's just. Yeah. You can always support people that you're not directly involved in. And that goes vice versa, like creative and non-creative. Um, like people within, I, I really, I, I'm just very grateful for that friend group, that the level of support of not even, you know, even when they can't show up, just finding a way to support you, even mentally, that yeah. is like major key. Yeah. And having conversations like, I really feel down. I remember for this podcast, this one time I was at Sophie's house and it was her and Diana and I was like, we were talking about that thing for comparing ourselves oh, yeah, and, yeah. you know, feeling pressure to create stuff and to do things. But it's like, I just don't feel ready to do anything. And it was kind of like a ping pong thing. Like, yeah, I get it. But also I feel like I should be doing surgery. And, you know, you keep, you have the conversation and sometimes you don't resolve it, but it's good to talk about it and also see other perspectives mm. from other people who might not be in direct link to what you're doing or and people who care not just anyone hey, yes, maybe people please. who care because some people <laughs> just be like I'm just gonna sit here and listen to you but I don't really care about your problems mm. people yeah. who care um, yeah like even for my film Leanne just made chapatis I was like yeah she just <laughs> and honestly that seems like such a small thing but it's actually like a huge it's a huge deal for someone to mm. have taken time out of their crazy lives just to make chapatis for you and I'm like that's amazing to show yeah. up and do it um, also to also William William once showed up on set to to be an actor <laughs> for, for a film I needed and he did such a great job and I was like whoa you should actually do acting out here but it was wow. like it was so nice to have those people just come when you need them and they'll be like so I think yeah relationships are actually such a big deal and they're hard I think I've never I've never struggled so much to create actual friendships and relationships like now like as an mm. adult, I'm like it's so hard. Right. It's so hard. It um, took me. It took me a long time to hear. Yeah, I I guess specifically also because it's a new environment, so you're kind of starting from scratch, and you lose people along. Hey, you lose so many people <laughs> along the way. Like before you get to like your core, you know. Let me tell you, this is the thing with this specific friend groups. I'm part of a lot of other groups, but with this specific one as well. It's like, well, we're all Kenyan, and that just happened by chance. And I guess it was that familiarity of like, oh, my God, you know, oh, I know Nani and Nani. And it's a good place also to just, when you're homesick, you, hey. We just have one of those what? days and we'll meet up. And it's yeah, like, yeah, and it's just a great space to know, like, yeah, I'm away from home, but there's, like, a glimmer of home around me. And I have people who, if I say chapati, I don't need to explain what chapu is or mabuyu is, so forgive mabuyu is. Um, you know, stuff like that that just makes you feel okay and I remember when my mom when my mom was here we all had dinner this guy's actually planned a graduation party because they knew I didn't want to do anything um but that was really amazing anyway and she said she even said she's like wow you have really nice friends you know she literally met them on the night for most of them um and it was and she she keeps asking about you guys like since then but even for her to have never seen you guys before have met you for like a couple of hours and spent some time with you and is was able to recognize that there's there's just a sense of it, it's actually a family, you know, mm. and that's really something important, especially when you're away from home. It yeah. doesn't have to be people from your home home place, but just even to get people to just 
feel comfortable enough and yeah. you know you're able to be yourself <laughs> well let me tell you self-discovery <laughs> is also another thing you you know getting to be yourself and learning all these things about yourself and then collectively helping each other grow yeah and also being grateful oh my god that's another thing legit sometimes i'll be like wow i'm so sad here i don't have things and i'm like nah i just start counting all the people that have shown up for me when they didn't have to and mm. just all those things I'm like actually I'm fine my life's good I'm having I'm living a real good life and it takes like it's like what, 0 to 100 but just kind of counting those like blessings just the small ones the big ones they really just kind of put things into perspective and kind of being like I don't need to have like a lot but just like just even though we are saying like that really small thing will help mm. um and I think yeah, I don't know how we got here from freelancing. Oh, please. I forgot. This, is, this podcast <laughs> goes pretty much everywhere. But it's just like, really, this is how conversations go. Um, even with us, this is a this is a good, like a glimpse of what happens. You go there, I'm like, oh my God, this film or this audio or whatever. And just then having tea. Eventually, by the time you finished, you've had like five cups of tea or whatever, and, you know. <laughs> But it's great to have that connect. Um, I think the only other one thing, not the only other one thing, but just so that this doesn't end up being 10 years long. Um, how do you feel like being labeled as someone living in the diaspora? This is something like a lot of people do from their hometown. They're like, oh, I turned diaspora. Um, and creating work that people, I think in my experience from what I've seen as well is I feel like a lot of people, I didn't think when I started this podcast, I've said this 10,000 times that people will listen to this, but what I've heard from people who have directly fed back or, you know, written something or whatever about what they listened to and what they heard was there's, we, we didn't change in the sense that we got rid of ourselves. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to make. Yeah, I'm trying to make. <laughs> question <laughs> um i think what what i what i got to hear is like the idea there's this idea of uh diaspora being because i'm away from home yeah i don't necessarily care or follow what's happening at home because yeah. i'm better than you because i got out there's uh. that feeling of they got out and then there's that envy of man they must be doing well or whatever because they got out like this getting out situation and i understand it like economically and there's other things that make it look and there's a romanticism that comes with it um and i think it reflects sometimes in the work that we create i remember talking to people every time sometimes when i talk a lot of times and pretty much all the time i talk to people i forget that some things are not familiar so, like, I've done an immersive show before. Not everybody knows, not even at home, like here, not everybody knows. I don't what even I, think, yeah, I'm like, I'm always like, Daisy, what's that? <laughs> an immersive show is, and sometimes yeah. it just, cause, I guess because I'm, I'm used to using these technical terms, I'll just, like, throw them out there, and people are like, well, up, um, I don't know what this is, and this is, and this is, and there's, like, a disconnect over there because they just assume you're excluding them. But the idea is not to exclude you, it's just that, I haven't had a chance to come back and show you what like an immersive show looks like but maybe when i do i will do something like that you know mm. or installations like people like what is an installation and i was actually this is a really sad note i was, I was looking up in installation artists in kenya there's actually a few so maybe make a point of looking at that as well and they're pretty dope can't wait to meet them if i ever get to meet them but anyway going back to what i was saying before do you feel like when you create work people also looking at your work like this is not our story. You're telling stories from over there for us to watch over here. 
Um, so like specifically on the stories that I'm telling? Yeah, or maybe the ones that, have you had a thought of like... So like first just what you were talking about earlier is that when like when I went to do an internship back like in December and like January, it was like um, when I was doing it, it was became this thing where like there were two people. They either took me as like, you don't know anything. Like you were just acting like you do and you don't know anything. And it was like, it was kind of like, and I was like, it's true. I, I don't actually know that much. Well, yeah. I, I've only been in school for a year. But it was this like specific thing that I, it's like they, they like, like bebad me in like a way that I was kind of like you just think you do and right we're just gonna keep you here and then do that and then there are also the other people who are like really like stunned by the fact that I was here and I was like I actually know nothing so it was like it was actually like oh. a middle do you, get, do you get what I mean there's an expectation for you to know stuff because you were you yeah. come from Australia yeah. and or it's like, like I'm still a student I, I'm learning this stuff yeah or like or somehow they would, there was this whole expectation of that I was apparently felt better than, than uh-huh. and I was like I don't I'm actually very lost and I'm, that's why I'm here to learn mm-hmm. and I think in those two ways is that people because I think they, they thought that's how I felt they treated me accordingly right and I was like that ended up being an experience I really didn't like because instead of me kind of going somewhere to learn I was being treated as this like it, it felt like a really weird space to grow yeah um, and I didn't like that um, but then I also realized because of the show that they were creating, I had no connection to it. Mm. And that was also another thing where I was like, uh, what I was telling you about. Um, so I think a lot, like, for example, Kenyan TV is like a lot of comedy. Like it is yeah. a lot, lot of comedy. And I am terrible at writing comedy or like stuff like that. And I think about how what I'm creating is going to be received back at home and stuff like that. Mm. Um and I was also talking to another friend, actually, no, someone I was in the internship with. And then they're like, yeah, we end up writing a lot of this just because this is all the people want to see on TV. Like, this is all people want to consume. If we try to make higher quality things, it's really rejected by, like, production houses and things like that because they're like, that's not what people want. Right. And I think that goes back to you saying um, we're trying to keep artists in, like, this one box and say, continuously have to create this. If you create something bigger and more this and that and like people are not going to receive it and I think that mm. is um, I think that's problematic and specifically for what I write and I create um, I don't think I've had the opportunity to share like a large like a, a lot of what I create a lot for a lot of people back home yeah to Kenya yeah I've not done that yet yeah fair um but I think with a few people that I think obviously my friends and my family, but they've been really supportive of what I'm doing. I think a big example of my parents, they don't get what the hell I'm doing, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like I think yeah, they I do, but that. they they just they like I showed my dad my other film the other day and he's just like, I'm not understanding. It's like I showed him a film and he's just like he just didn't get it. He said, Oh, it looks nice, but I just I don't get it. I don't get the story. Um he's mm. like, Why isn't it longer? I was like, Oh, when are you allowed to make three minutes film? Then I was like but like the film, you know, when he walks out and oh, he leaves yeah. and he's like, okay, but I don't get why I didn't see them fighting and mm. stuff like that. And I was like, that was not the point. Like it was meant to be this whole thing. But I also realized that sometimes it's not that you need to understand everything. Like you don't have to like, with my, like with that, with the people that I'm creating it for, it's not that they sit down and understand everything, but they appreciate the little things that they can. Right. Like 
even if he doesn't get the whole thing, he'll be like, oh, I appreciate the the clothes that you had. They were really pretty or mm. the costumes and stuff like that. Um, and so I think what I'm creating right now will hopefully... I think I want to really do create things that are... that will have an impact back in Kenya. Right. Um, a positive one. Mm. Um and I hope that when I do, it'll be received well. I hope I can even do it. Like that, I think that's another start. I think, I think another thing that, as for me, is that when I've learned a lot from here, but there's also I have to go home and learn a lot from home. I agree. Yeah, that's, like I, that's I can't. Where I'm at as well. Yeah, because I can't have any. I can't only have what I've learned from here. Like I've yeah. learned here what I need to learn, and then when I go home, I need to learn and a lot more. And this too. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I feel like oh, I, th- I love what you said. Like pretty much everything you said, um, and I resonate with a lot of that in the sense that. Sometimes people don't get what you're doing, but they still want to support you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they do. Like, they just... um, and sometimes it's 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 more like, yeah, I need you to also see there's something bigger. I think that the challenge that I've felt as an audio engineer and doing things outside, people have boxed me as an audio engineer because I went to uni for that. Yeah. And it's like, that's just one aspect of Daisy. Oh I'm God, a creative yeah. producer too, you know? I do theatre. Like, I create artwork that's outside of audio engineering. There's aspects of these things that I use. And it's funny because a lot of the opportunities and things that I've created have been... Like, audio engineering has been a supportive of that. It's more like... When I, when I produce shows, I am producing a show. So I'm working as a producer, not as an audio engineer. It, in fact, audio is, like, another aspect of the performance, mm. you know? And I think we need to also stop labeling people and boxing them in certain things because they studied this thing or you met them as this one thing, but then not just that. Because that also kind of goes into someone's psyche and it kind of pushes them in a way that they feel scared to experiment with other things. And I'm just grateful for actually some of my lecturers who pushed me to do it because that's something I felt that was really difficult for me when I was an audio student is because everyone just expects me to create work for audio. And it's like, you're an audio engineer first. It's like, yeah, cool. I don't think there's any order. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And I actually learned this from, um, I'm not sure if I shared this here, but I listened to a podcast where this lady called Stacey Abrams, who is actually the first black woman governor of Florida, I want to say. <laughs> if it's not it, I'm just going to be persecuted by some people. But she said something really important. It's actually the one and only Afropunk podcast I listened to, which was really interesting. But she said, because she always wanted to do a lot of things and people just expected her to do one thing, she had a book where she wrote all her dream jobs. Mm. And then she'd look at it and figure out figure out how to do the different stuff and she's been able to do a bunch of like different things that are super unrelated but it's because she knew she had a capacity to do it and she always wanted to do it it was just a matter of how to get there and when to get there so don't box yourself if you feel like you're a financial i know someone who studied finance and economics and he's doing like he's running his own business of a clothing line shout out to joel um naiva check them out pretty cool but like (laughs) And it's like, yeah, it's he's not just like this one entity. He's yeah. doing other things, you know. Yeah. I can still be a musician, but I can also be an entrepreneur in like a law firm. I don't know. Like you can do anything really. And that's something that I'm also learning to tell myself yeah. every time I doubt myself. We've had this conversation where I've come to you. I'm like, yeah, I feel scared. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I don't know if this is right or whatever. And, you know, sometimes you need someone else to affirm 
that you're able to do it because they can see something in you. Yeah. So stop boxing people. It's I also cool. think your art doesn't have to be good when you start. My God. Oh yeah. my God. It can be if you see the shit I was making at the beginning, honestly I watch and I'm like cringe. But it's also it's okay that I think it will get better. It mm. will. Like, I think that's... It's hard to say because I'm always, like, putting pressure on myself. But I think when I'm not judging myself, I'm like, you know, it, it'll be fine. You can get better. So even if you're, like, I think when you're drawing something or you're taking pictures of something or you're doing this, it's it sucks now. Figure out how to get better at it, even if it means taking a class, if you're good. I'm, like, not good at learning on YouTube or things like that. So I take classes. Mm. Um, and um, just, like... You can be kind of any other kind of artist that you want. I don't think I don't think you're born an artist. That's just my truth. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're born this. I can I th- I think people could be filmmakers if they wanted to today. If they said I'm gonna sit yeah, down and learn I how to so be too. a filmmaker, I'm like you you can like you can literally sit down and learn how to do it. Um, because I had no idea what I was doing when I came, and I'm better than I was in like yeah. a year ago. Um, and so I think that's what you're saying. Like you can be any kind of artist, creative you want to be, and it just means it's kind of like you telling yourself you can do it because everyone else is going to tell you you can't but you have to kind of be like I know what I think about Mm. I know what my brain tells me I know what my brain can do Um, yeah yeah. and surround your people with I mean surround yourself with people (laughs) who actually challenge you in positive ways and see and see on the positive like of course the world is not rainbows and sunshine no. sunshine rainbows that's a phrase that I, I thought it's rainbows and sunshine it's just sunshine rainbows. I always say the other way around so it felt mm. really weird when I started with the rainbows uh, <laughs> I was like what oh shit anyway yeah thanks for listening guys anyways thank you for coming Sophie thank you so, so much short notice. for having um, me and yeah thanks for sharing like what you've shared with people and you can find her on I'll leave the details of where she wants you to find her and then you will read the bio and you will find the details of where to find her but thank you for coming in um, thank you for listening if you made it this far and yeah, this was really long <laughs> podcasts are usually listen you don't have to listen to a podcast in one day this again if you've gotten this far but like that's the point it's meant to be like a long conversation that you can always get back to as well so don't be complaining out here anyway thank you for listening you can subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud Spotify iTunes and Stitcher and yeah please subscribe we also have an Instagram that's super inactive but I'm gonna get better at it and if you you know what if you're actually really good with social media hit me up and we might just do a collab because I do need someone who's good at it yeah thanks for listening have a lovely rest of your time I don't know if you're listening to this during the day at night next week next month but yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode thanks guys bye